Hey, friend. Hi, friend. It's <laughs> the worst part. <laughs> Howdy, friend. But it, it, it would be even worse if we tried to make it like special or different every time. It would be like salutations. I know, I know, I know, okay. I know. So say it again. Let me see if I see if you can do it without me sounding so redneck. Welcome to Seminary Stowaways. I'm your host, Hannah Connor. Thanks for joining us as we set a new course and Luann begins a new class this week, Worship Practices. But first, I want to introduce my friend, Luann Riley. Luann grew up in Alabama but got to Texas with her husband, Justin, as fast as she could. She left her ladder climbing gig in corporate America for a full-time job in ministry seven years ago, and she's the former discipleship director of a large Houston area church. She's currently pursuing a Master of Arts in Theology while wrangling her twin boys. She has a passion for hoodie sweatshirts, non-dairy creamer, books that make her cry, and Alabama football. I want to introduce you to my friend Hannah. Hannah is currently a communications manager for an anti-child trafficking organization, and I happen to know she's a pretty fantastic wife and mom. Her family just moved back to the U.S. after doing missions in the U.K. for the past three years. She's an Enneagram 5, so naturally she loves detective stories and TV. She has a degree in creative writing and has worked in church ministry or parachurch ministry for the past eight years. This week, Luann and I are taking a moment to build some framework for the next class that she's tackled in seminary, Worship Practices. We're doing this because the class turned out to be totally different than she expected. Like any class content is really influenced by the teacher, and her professor this term came from a very strong viewpoint. His understanding of the Christian faith and how it's rightly practiced has a lot to do with the Jewish people and their story as told in the Old Testament. A lot to do with it. So Luann walked away with a very specific view of worship practices, namely this professor's view. And that led to many conversations between the two of us, not so much about worship practices as about the particular theology that this guy is peddling and whether or not it lines up with the words and actions of Jesus in the Bible. So as Luann takes us along for the highs and lows of this new class, we start here with questions. So as my mom would say, put on your thinking cap, stowaways. Well, she wouldn't, not the stowaways part, but the other part, she'd say that. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. You're on a break right now. You're between classes. So I am you're officially on spring break between Woo-hoo. spring quarter and winter quarter, and it is glorious. What are we talking about today, Luann? So I would love to tell you that we're about to just jump right into a, another spiritual topic that I learned yeah. moving into the next class. But first, we're going to have to address a challenge that I faced, an obstacle that I met that I was not expecting or ready for. Dun, dun, dun. And that came in the form of? I really thought that at some point in my seminary journey, probably when I got farther down the road, that I would inevitably encounter a class or a topic or a professor who I disagreed with or did not land in the same place with. However, I did not expect to encounter it 
in what is supposed to be one of the quote-unquote easier classes, second class in on my seminary journey. So that, the villain has already arrived onto the scene this early in the game. Yes. And I just really was not prepared for it. And part of me is like, what if I had been more prepared to think it was coming sooner? Would I have not found myself so surprised? Would it have not felt so hard as I was going through this class? But I really had to stretch myself, one, to engage with the material, two, to engage professionally and remain open-minded with the professor and I really had to think like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to have to navigate seminary in a way that maybe I haven't thought about before. Right. You like, can't just like throw the bookshelf down and be like, you're wrong and run out of the room. Exactly. And, you know, spiritual disciplines, I didn't encounter in that class anything that I would have said was con- controversial necessarily like we know that there's some controversy around some of the practices great sure but in general I I I didn't think that anything was hard to engage with or challenging to engage with I felt like the professor was really easygoing and then just like whoa wow okay all right well we just fell right off in the deep end with this worship practice class yeah and it wasn't even so much that the worship practices you had a disagreement with it was the particular lens that he brought to the idea of worship practices is that where the tension was or i mean was everything (laughs) i'm trying not to get kicked out of seminary it was his profile picture (laughs) i'm trying to not get like tact is not something that I'm known for, so I I'm just know. I'm working. So what are you going to do when I'm I work, push you further and work, further as I'm we go on? I'm working on my words here, very carefully. But I think it, you know, sort of the the books that we read um, were from a viewpoint very far from what my background is, and they were very critical of the type mm-hmm. of church and background that I come from, all of them, mm-hmm. like not just one, like all three out of four that I read were very critical about the type of church that I was called into full-time ministry in. And that has really been my church experience as an adult. So even in that, it, it it's a little bristly, right? When you're yeah. feeling like you're on the defense. And- like just start off, I, like obviously this is a man who like loves the Lord. Absolutely. And wonderful man yeah I mean clearly loves the Lord was faithful prayer you know you know followed up with me when my grandmother died I mean he was yes in in all of those things yes Yes. the 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 rub is our theology and I might say some things about this man that you might not want me to put in the podcast but then I will because I'm the editor so (laughs) I'm scared now I'm I'm so scared just kidding And one of the things that he sort of complimented you on, though, as you went through and as you navigated these disagreements, because you, you would actually disagree with him on things. Like when there was an assignment, you would say, well, I don't really think that because of this and this and this. And I think you did it well. You did it lightly. You didn't burn bridges. You were super respectful. But you did it. And he complimented you on your critical thinking skills. 
Yeah, I'm not he said he, even. He said, "You are one of the most critically thinking students I've encountered." So I want to acknowledge that. But it's the problem. But you're wrong. But you're wrong. Yeah. Back down, woman. <laughs> but here's why you're wrong in what you said. To which then, of course, you know, I didn't back down either because I was like, you know, I can appreciate that you're saying that. Thank you for challenging me on that. And, but I still land yeah. in the same place that I landed. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And so, here's what worried me a little bit when you said that. Not that you weren't a critical thoughtful person you definitely are but that that isn't the norm that is what makes me be like oh do you mean at seminary this this supposedly like university style education that once someone goes through we think well they've done it they've thought they're intelligent we trust them they know they're bringing it down from the mountain those people are going through this guy's class and they're just like, sure, yeah, that sounds great. This class, he pulled something that the last class didn't, which I found to be interesting. The last class, you could post your response and you could actually read anyone anyone else's response before you post it. This one, it was mm-hmm. locked and it was blind to you. So you could not see any other person in the class's response until you had hit send on yours. And then and that's why people were chicken out. And that's then why they poof, didn't. like all 12 of them would appear. And when it did, I would realize I was the contrarian, one out of 12. The Judas, if And you then will. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. Here I am. And then, then it would happen again. And then I was like, there's no way that... I mean, I realize the sample size is 12, but there's no way that it can only be me that read this book and thought, okay, that's a bold statement in this book, and I'm not really sure that this is where I'm landing. Sure. So you're saying that the fact that other people aren't giving him pushback isn't necessarily indicative of the fact that they either agree with him or that they're, like, swallowing all the crazy stuff he's putting down. Maybe they're just, like, not worth it. All right, so we're going to be talking about critical thinking then. What do we mean when we say critical thinking, though? Critical thinking. Well, I happened to look up some information about critical thinking because I have done a lot of critical thinking about the importance of critical thinking in the last quarter because I've been like, is something, am I too hard? Like, am I engaging this subject? too much. And so, you know, part of the goal of seminary is to think critically. And so I looked up some some words that describe critical thinking and right in the definition, it says reasonable, reflective thinking focused on deciding what to believe or do, which in, in essence is the definition of the purpose of studying theology, which is to reasonably reflect and decide what you believe about certain things. And so critical thinking could be described as thinking about thinking. So it has a place, and not just a place, but a big, a central place in a seminary education. Yes, and it talks about, 
you know, diversity of um, denominational backgrounds and theological thinking uh, is also a cornerstone of my seminary. So I anticipated, and I, I have even said and, and like wrote in my essay to get my scholarship about the purpose of seminary for me, is that I was raised one denomination, and I was called into full-time ministry in that same denomination. And I've felt very much like I've had a one-church focus, mm-hmm. and I wanted a diverse theological experience. I wanted to be exposed to a wide range of ideas and denominations and how God is working and moving and doing things in a lot of different places because I wanted to be stretched and challenged in the way that I think. I think this shows us that critical thinking is not just a bedrock of seminary, but of a well-reasoned faith. And I'm sure there's a class that you'll get to called epistemology, right? Isn't that the word? And I don't know that you can be a Christian for very long, or at least not a growing Christian, without engaging critically with your faith. Would you say that's your experience? Oh, I think so for sure. You know, my story, part of the testimony that I tell is that I grew up in both a church and a household that did not leave room for questioning. I, by nature, have always been, which I guess I'm an Enneagram 8, so this is not a surprise. If you know much about the Enneagram, I'm a challenger. And so it, it, like, asking questions, I mean, I can just remember my parents telling stories about, like, just me constantly asking questions and challenging things. And and so I didn't accept a lot of things about what I was learning at church and what I was seeing in my home, like in terms of faith and Christianity, it just face value. It felt complicated to me and it felt like there was like so much that I didn't understand and I had hard questions. And those were met with a, a sense of like, you're asking too many questions and that is disobedience, that any sort of back talk is what it was called or challenge against what like was being taught or what we were saying in our in our church like that was frowned upon there was not room for questioning and the older I got the less sort of bandwidth I had for an environment like that and so that's why I mean that's one of the reasons I left Christianity because I was like either you buy this all hook line and sinker which a lot of it feels real far-fetched for me let's be honest or you there's no space for you in the church and so i i left and i think one of the turning points for me when i came back to christianity and when i found myself back in church in my early 20s is we went to a church that asked a lot of questions and gave room for questions and the small groups that i ended up being in weren't afraid for me to ask questions about what i didn't understand or how could this be true And I was not made to feel like I was less than or not having enough Christianity just because I had a lot of questions. So funny, we come at this from such different, uh, the big difference though being that I grew up in a household where asking questions and thinking about the things of God and even about theology wasn't 
wasn't too unusual. I remember hearing my parents debate like Calvinism and Armenianism as a child. And the only time I ever got in trouble was when I embraced socialism as like a six year old. They were like, whoa, no, 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 that's not okay. I was like, why don't they just take money from all the rich people? And they were like, you have crossed the line. <laughs> Except for socialism. That's as right. Acts too. <laughs> Which is now after we've been in the UK for so long. I'm like, dad, socialism so awesome. <laughs> and he's like, stop. Cut, cut that. <laughs> but the way that I think about it, because for a while I struggled when I, did, I don't have a testimony where it was like, and I was shooting up in that crack den. Yes, I was. And then the Lord said to me, there, not, that didn't ever happen. And I would struggle to like know how to tell the story. And there's this passage that I read. Um, G.K. Chesterton in his book Heretics <clears throat> tells the story of a small town that gets their first electric light. And they put it up in the town center. And it creates this sort of uproar amongst the people. Some are pro, some are against. And the people who don't want the light there oppose it for many reasons. Some don't think it's right that not everyone has a street light. Some don't understand how it works and they don't think it should be there if they can't understand it. Some think it should have, the town should have voted on it first. And some people oppose the light just because they want darkness to do dark deeds in it. And as everyone comes to the town square and they're debating this issue, eventually someone takes up a rock and throws it and smashes the light and just plunges everyone into darkness. And there's sort of chaos. And after that all dies down, they come back to the original question of the light and whether or not it's good to have that light available. But what they once could have discussed with the benefit of that light, they now have to discuss in the darkness. And as I grew up, at every age, my understanding would kind of reach a new level. And I would think about Jesus and God all over again and decide, like, I don't know, is this... I have a lot of questions that don't make sense to me. Am I going to keep going in this way or am I done with it? And at each stage, I, I left the light on. I was probably like 12. And someone was supposed to have prepared a lesson to teach the junior hires, whatever grade you're in when you're 12, and nobody did. And there was a college kid who was home on some break. And he decided he was just going to read out loud to us out of the screw tape letters, which... Changed was this, the was this my your life. moment? This is a moment where C.S. Lewis became. Oh, I loved C.S. Lewis long before this. Oh, long before that. Okay. I mean, I'd read him, but I never read the Screw Tape Letters before, and I don't even remember what part of it he read. But I remember like walking out of that church that day, feeling like so many people, like so many bigger minds, have really given this thing their best. They have given God all of their biggest questions, and He has proved trustworthy that He can take it. And I felt for the first time that I could do the same and that there was like a legacy of people who came before me that had done that. And I remember walking out of there and I just looked around and I realized everyone else was like, oh, that sucked. I hated that. I can't believe you read us that stupid book. And I was like, like the hills are live with the sound of music, you know, playing. <laughs> You're like, I head. just had a life changing event. I was like, hey, you guys, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I've always, uh, had a lot of questions but then was just I guess lucky enough to have parents uh, you know lucky enough luck that's mm -hmm. all it is it's no, just luck I, I mean you you were you were raised in an environment where question asking was okay yeah. and 
I, I think that a lot of times we are afraid to ask hard questions about faith. Um, and I think that we're kind of hard to, it's hard for us to be on the other side of the hard questions because the Bible leaves a lot open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everything about God and everything that's contained in the Bible is real clear cut. And so we don't really love gray areas. They're hard to navigate. A few years ago, Alistair McGrath um, came and did an evening after he wrote a biography of C.S. Lewis there. And at one point, he took questions from the crowd. And I was pretty excited because two of my questions got chosen to ask him. But the only pertinent one was, is there any legacy of of C.S. Lewis's that's not helpful? And he said, yes. And that C.S. Lewis was so good at explaining these profound, profound mysteries of the faith and things that we grapple with. He's so great at making them understandable to the most common man. And that it's pushed us in this direction of thinking that we should be able to do that with any with any topic or any question. And that's to the great detriment of ourselves and the world that we don't want to wrestle with the grays, that we want to push it towards something really clean and tidy, neatly wrapped. I know that for me, it is it is a line that I constantly have to check my heart about, is am I engaging this topic? Am I thinking about it critically? Or am I just having negative mm-hmm. thoughts about this that's not helpful? Yeah. You know, I read a very helpful article on the Gospel Coalition about the difference Mm -hmm. between its um, critical thinking and critical spirit. And it was talking about how Charles Spurgeon once said, the church is imperfect, but woe to the man who takes pleasure in pointing out her imperfections. Am I asking questions so that I can understand it better, or am I asking questions to disprove something? Everything I have read is just bemoans the lack of critical thinking in our culture today, which sure... I get there are pockets where critical thinking does not reign supreme, but I think people think critically about what they're passionate about. I can tell you people think critically about Alabama football. That's right. right. Good Lord. I know. I mean, let's just analyze every move about something. And you're right. I mean, fantasy football. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, all these things out there that have these podcasts and blogs. So you're right. I think people do Mm -hmm. think critically about what they're passionate about. You know, your work, your job. Even TV shows. Like The Bachelor just ended. Oh, gosh. I watched the end of that TV show. I don't watch The Bachelor, but I watched it. And like the level of intelligent discourse about what was going to happen at the end of this show Oh, yeah, same, same, uh, let's, Avengers, Endgame. You don't know how much critical oh. thinking is happening in my house right now That's as right. to what's about to go down. I mean, People are yes. making deductions and inferences uh-huh. and yeah. pulling oh, yeah. on their knowledge of other movies. Oh, yeah, we're watching uh, previews in slow motion, looking for <laughs> clues as to what's going to happen. We've done that with we... Detective Pikachu, where we watch it in See? slow motion and then, okay. then, yeah. There you go. So you're right. There's many ways that people do that I think then the challenge is like then why don't people necessarily think as critically or engage in critical thinking where their faith is concerned 
in a place that really carries some weight. I mean, I would be tempted to sort of bring down the hammer here and be like, because people don't care. But I will say that thinking critically about the Bible sometimes feels like it is only the realm of scholars and people who have degrees, who got to seminary. Also, I have to send you this awesome link to this YouTube thing. This British guy, David Mitchell, he's probably, it's probably profane. He rants names, but he talks about how ridiculous it is that at this day and age, people are expected to come up with their own understanding of like the universe and whether or not there is or isn't a God and how like back in medieval times, that was like, people were not qualified. Normal people weren't qualified to think about those things and how, why now have we decided that normal people are qualified to like decide and think and come up with theories. I love it. Because there's a point where I'm like, he's got a point. I agree. And, you know, one of the things I think was interesting uh, about the articles that we read just in terms of critical thinking and what is it, you know, how do you engage in it? And is there a grid or a framework? Questions you should be asking, you know, books that we kind of looked at that we could give as a resource around this topic. And it really came down to that critical thinking cannot necessarily be taught as a subject matter by itself. Like you don't necessarily teach people a critical thinking skill set, but what you do is that you you introduce critical thinking skills when you're introducing a subject matter. And that made a lot of sense to me because if I've thought about times that I've really learned or really engaged a text, what I and how much I really enjoy when a teacher, a Bible teacher, or a pastor, or a small group study is when it wrestles with a text, when it has you think about where this path, like where it could be coming from, why would Paul be saying this, sort of asking you these questions that help you sort of mine and think more about the passage rather than just saying like, fill in the blank, what are three ways that you demonstrate godly love? Do you know what I mean? Um, and some of my favorite Bible teachers, you know, Ben Stewart being one, he is really good about introducing critical thinking of saying leading theologians think this way, but there's another camp who think this way. And sort of that just in itself, like opens that says, hmm, people have thought about this and you might land in one of these two places. I think even that is just important in terms of when you're wrestling with the Bible is to engage to engage critical thinking with the subject matter. Albert yeah. Einstein qualified his intelligence as being incurably curious. Sometimes when I have to listen to something and I know I'm just not into it, I'll think, or what would, it, what would a curious person, if I had to be curious about something here, what questions would I ask? And then what I do is not just, don't just ask those questions, but try to find answers to those questions. Like, what does this make me wonder? If I had to list 10 questions right now about this, what would those questions be? And then go and find an answer to them. So even as you research questions that you come up with, all of that is helping you have the stuff that you need at your disposal to think about this issue, which in this case is being our faith, the Bible. And I think as we as we sort of continue through this podcast, as we start talking about worship practices, that what we hope to do is introduce the subject matter, think critically about it ourselves, but then encourage people to to think critically about them as well. I think our life of faith, this sort of wrestling like journey that we're on, is that much like you said, Hannah, about your life, like 
in the light or in the dark. I encountered new thoughts or things, questions about God and Jesus that I see in the light and the dark, that as we grow and mature as disciples, that we continue to think about our faith and mm-hmm. we continue to grow in our thoughts and our ideas and our beliefs. Um, so if someone's listening and they're like, that is not my jam, I just don't, I don't work that way. And yeah, I get it that it would be great, but how do I do that? I would say one possible first step is to ask God for wisdom because God gives wisdom freely. And it's not about like, oh no, now I have to, now I've got to be a critical thinker in addition to all these other things. It's just about hearing God's voice and pleasing him. And there is no better person to teach you how to please the Lord than the Holy Spirit. So ask for wisdom. Reading in Psalm 119, and I right now can't find the exact verse, but it says, and we use Psalm 19 in this class that we're talking about, and it talks about how um, we experience doesn't come from our elders or knowledge doesn't come from our elders, but that wisdom comes from revelation from the Lord. And so anything, honestly, that we know or are as imparted to us is because the Lord has granted it mm-hmm. to us in that wisdom. So even if we're thinking and we're wrestling with these things that like it's the Lord that's opening our Absolutely. eyes and our hearts to these things and giving us the wisdom to see what, what the path is or what the belief is. And this framing is important because as we go forward with this particular topic, We're not asking these questions because this is a professor that we really don't like and we just want to poke holes in everything that he said. We're asking these questions because it matters. And there have been times where in my life where I think I've given pushback and people interpret that as maybe disrespect. I can't think of any higher compliment than to take someone's ideas really seriously and to say, I'm going to hold this idea up and look at it from so many angles because it matters. If it didn't matter, we wouldn't go through this process. So some of the ideas that we're encountering are these, how important is this in our attempts to to follow Jesus and to be more like him? If it matters, then we got to, then we We need to spend some time here. That's right. Spend some time. Yeah. And then we might decide some don't matter. So let's just (laughs) put that disclaimer Luann, do you have a closing scripture for us? Yeah, our scripture truth today is from Proverbs 14, verse 15. It says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Well, that's it for today. We hope that you've been encouraged, maybe even amused. If you have, we'd love it if you'd leave a raving review for us on iTunes. You can also join us on Instagram at Seminary Stowaways. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, the opinions expressed on this episode belong solely to Hannah or Luann and do not represent the organizations, institutions, churches, or Starbucks baristas in their lives. Till next time, friends. Thanks for listening.